show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Providence's approach to bringing together digital innovation and business strategy. How does digital transformation drive growth for health systems for real? I'll talk about that. Then John Young is in the house to shed light on NICE Healthcare and their fast-growing primary care business model. John gives us an inside look at how NICE seems to take the best parts of digital-first and subscription-based primary care and how they convey their value proposition to consumers. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Providence's Digital Innovation Group continues to set a vision for fundamental transformations that lead us to where we want to go. Profitable growth. Sarava Ezi, their chief strategy and digital officer, shared her insights in an article on Forbes on September 21st titled, Three Ways Digital Transformation Drives Growth in Healthcare. I'm a fan of the article's thesis, which is that the most significant and positive way to address the growth imperative for health systems is digital innovation. But it's about much more than simply modernizing infrastructure. Digital innovation must be about fundamentally transforming the healthcare business model from a consumer perspective. Sara then goes on to say that the three key ways that digital transformation can drive growth in healthcare are that it bolsters both customer acquisition and loyalty, it allows for new product enablement, and it opens up new business models. Quote, enabling customers to seamlessly access, navigate, and book services and care options across all channels are no longer nice to haves. They are mission-critical consumer requirements. As consumers, expectations have changed in nearly every other industry, from financial services to restaurants to travel and retail. Healthcare can no longer be the outlier. Profitable growth is of paramount importance to health systems today. In the first quarter of 2022, health systems, including large systems like Kaiser and Ascension, posted significant losses. The lingering recovery from COVID-19, increased operating costs, and changing demand for services all played a role. She concludes by saying, we can't talk about growth strategy and digital strategy separately. So, in an era where there's so much here and now, all hands on deck work happening just to stay afloat and care another day, this should be music to our ears. Heaven forbid digital and business wear the same jerseys and share the same goals. But that's exactly what it takes to have a consumer 
first approach. We actually even updated that in the intro wrap here on the podcast. I'm not sure if you noticed. We now say drop the silos. We're all the same team experience, business, tech, and marketing. So what can we do about it? Where do we start? I look at the pattern of progress that we've made with digital transformation. It typically started by naming a person, a team, or a committee as internal champions of the transformation. This could be a consumer strategy team or a chief marketing and leader. You know, following the trend of marketing leaders having additional responsibilities, such as the chief marketing and consumer officer. Remember then how digital transformation champions have learned how to change vocabulary and educate their peers on their destination and what to expect along the way? Well, the same goes for digital transformation. A next step for the changemakers who are already venturing out on this journey could be to start weaving consumer strategy capabilities into the culture so everyone understands the value and begins to hold each other accountable for small things. Start a conversation or keep one going, recognizing that the road is long and dependent on the compounding of many small steps. Wherever you stand in this journey, it's time to take the next steps to bring digital and business together. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for John Young. John's the SVP of growth at Nice Healthcare. They're an integrated primary care clinic and they're really disrupting the status quo. John, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jared and Zane. I appreciate the chance to be on your show. Lots going on in the primary care, digital primary care space. And so we're really excited, John, to um, hear what y'all are doing over at Nice Healthcare and maybe get your perspective on other things that have occurred in the news over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there's always plenty, Zane. (laughs) For sure. John, a good starting point for us would be just what, tell us what we missed in your bio and what would you like our listeners to know more about you and your background? Yeah, I mean, so... For me, healthcare has definitely been a common theme, you know, throughout my career. I've been fortunate to see it from a couple of different angles. I started actually doing consulting in the employee benefit space, so helping, you know, business owners trying to design benefits programs to help attract and retain awesome people while also controlling healthcare costs. And so getting, you know, visibility into that decision-making process was really fascinating. And that's a, quite a dual mandate for, for business owners to be, you know, trying to solve for. But I just, you know, I found out that that was not my lifelong calling and went back to grad, grad school. Sure, sure. And um, on the other side of that, had a chance to work for the, the largest medical device manufacturer in the world. Had a chance to launch a number of new products and services across the globe. And that was really where I started to gain an appreciation for the role that technology can play, both as it relates to improving patient outcomes, but also in helping health systems and clinic become more efficient. And so it became clear to me that that clinics who embrace technology and figured out ways to weave that into their into their operations were going to be successful. And those who were hesitant or resistant to incorporate some of that change were going to have a tough time competing. And so that's what drew me to NICE. You know, NICE certainly fits that that definition of a clinic who's embraced what technology can do to help enhance the, the patient and provider experience. And combine that with just a an overall desire to get involved with a company who's earlier in the business cycle, you know, and still... Um, so forming itself is why I made the leap and, and joined NICE. And 
uh, it's been, been an awesome journey thus far. Well, it's interesting how long that's been going on, the part where you just mentioned about technology being a means to an end. It's a part to improve things. It's not the end itself, it's a means to an end. And understanding how a tool fits in to improving a business system or business model, for instance, or a model of care, that is a theme here for sure. That, that's something that stuck out to me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, John. What helps us understand that is, is uh, if you could think of somebody who you look up to in your life and tell us why. Yeah, I mean... Jared, I'm trying to get my mom to listen to more podcasts, and I think that this might be one that, I, that, I'm, that I'm able to, to get her to listen into. So I'm, I'm going to go with my mom. You know, I think certainly raising my own family has given me an appreciation into all of the sacrifices that her and my dad went through to provide an awesome environment for us. And then also seeing her uh, flourish in the role of grandmother and just the, the role that she's played in my kids' lives and how involved mm-hmm. she is and how she's embraced that opportunity really gives me something to aspire to be, you know, as I continue to uh, go down this parenting journey. So it's my mom, Jared. That's the honest answer. That's amazing. Saying that may be the first time we've actually had that as an answer to that question. And it's kind of blowing my mind right now that that, that has not been uh, more common. Yeah, most people say, you know, someone like an Elon Musk or they you know, name drop one of the big health innovators out there. But uh, I really appreciate that. Actually, you know, when I think about my own career, my mother was a nurse and it's actually through her just hearing about healthcare all the time when she bring it back home that I ultimately got into this career path as well. And so cheers to mothers. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we could just like end the pod right now. And like, this is super high value. This is awesome. <laughs> we're, this is a, we're giving, we're giving people more than their money's worth right now. So <laughs> amazing. John, what I, what I'd love to do is, is kind of get us going on this path to understand more about nice, what they do, how they're different. Can you start us off with like a lay person's description of nice and what it's all about, how it's different? I mean, you said it in in the prelude, you know, you you described us as an integrated healthcare clinic, and that's true. But what does that mean? We provide medical services to address the vast majority of needs that a patient's going to have on a day-to-day basis. That spans from your preventive care and wellness into Traditional primary care, which might be, you know, managing acute illnesses or more chronic conditions that patients are dealing with. We've also extended into what might be considered to be more specialty services and introducing mental health therapy as well as physical, you know, as well as physical therapy. And we kind of wrap a, a pharmacy benefit around all of that. And so we've designed a, a scope of service that really addresses, you know, around 95% of the everyday healthcare needs that our members may need. That's the what. I think that's the what of what we're doing. The how is where we start getting into some more of the differentiation and what makes us particularly unique. John, just to be clear, do you all have physical clinics somewhere or is it all, you know, primarily digital? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that the first component of the how is the really based on the realization that bricks and mortar clinic locations, Zane, are no longer needed in order to provide awesome care for patients. You know, so we made the strategic decision to remove barriers for patients to access primary care by bringing it directly into their home. We do that using a combination of in-home visits. And for some employers that we work with, that involves us going on to a work site and, you know, and conducting visits, um, more akin to a worksite visit type of a arrangement. And we combine that then with everything, you know, that's at our disposal as it relates to virtual care. 
the video visits, the chat visits, everything that happens within the Nice Healthcare app. And so from that point of view, I the way that I describe it is it's essentially a smash up of everything that's happening with telemedicine, virtual visits, chat visits, and essentially a return to the house call. You know, and I think both of you guys are probably too young to remember the days of the house call. So am I, but we but we all know what that means. You know? We all know what that yes. means. That's sending a clinician out into the community, developing a relationship with the family and really getting to understand the environment in which the um, our, our families are operating in and bringing care to them in that setting. That's fantastic. So going back to that you know, archetypal physician with his medical bag, walking through the village, you know, walking into people's homes and providing that level of care. John, I wanted to ask you a little bit about you know this whole notion of direct contracting or some would call it direct-to-employer. Um, we certainly see, and certainly others that we brought on the show, we see a lot of disruptors in healthcare like really focusing in that space, and so they're not always you know, going direct-to-consumer or not necessarily always working with health plans. But I was wondering if you could just unpack what exactly that means, direct contracting or direct-to-employer. And then maybe the follow-up question would be, what is it that employers are coming to you with in terms of problems? What are they saying to you all that ultimately gets you in the door, gets you an opportunity to pitch your services to them? Yeah. I mean, so on the first point, Zane, we saw going direct to employers being the most efficient way for us to be able to tell our story and the best way for us to keep our rates as affordable as possible. Our mission here is to make healthcare not just convenient, but to also make it affordable. The opportunity to contract directly with employers and to provide access to our services for their employees has been a, a really productive way for us to increase our membership while keeping our pricing low. We don't submit claims through an insurance vehicle. We contract directly on a fixed capitated rate with our employer groups, but we're not submitting any claims, you know, through a buca or through a any sort of, you know, insurance entity. So, direct contracting is is a movement where I think, you know, and there are certain pockets of the country where it's more common than others, but where health systems or providers like Nice are saying we can go direct to employers offer our services to employees at a much more competitive rate than maybe through some other, you know, some other uh, mechanisms. In terms of what employers are asking us for, it's twofold. Certainly, employers are looking for ways, creative ways to control healthcare costs. They are most often offering an insurance program. They're seeing their insurance premiums going up year over year, like they're making adjustments to plan design, but they're, they continue to look for creative ways to manage healthcare costs. And I would say up until the last year or so, that was always where the, the employer conversations started. And that was probably the most important topic. Recently, I would say what has trumped that is employers looking for ways to attract and retain talent. That's an important shift. You know, there's a huge shift. You know, I mean, almost all employers that we have the chance to sit down and talk with are looking for ways to fill job openings, are looking for ways to make sure that they're not going to lose some of their best people. And it's just such an ultra competitive labor market. And I think, you know, the, the numbers that came out today is like there's twice as many vacancies across the country as there are people looking to looking for a job. And so employers are really looking for something to differentiate an offer letter. And looking for something to stick out when, you know, a candidate might be looking at company A versus company B. And so that's something that, um, that we've seen become a really important part of our value proposition. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. 
One of the must-attend healthcare conferences this year is the annual Healthcare Internet Conference. HCIC will be held on November 7th to the 9th in sunny Miami, Florida. This dynamic conference provides a great opportunity for healthcare professionals to learn, share, network, laugh, and collaborate. Here are just some of the great new options that HCIC has in store for you this year. There are recorded bonus sessions available to watch anytime during or after the conference, recorded vendor demos discussing hot topics or showcasing the vendor products or services. There will also be a career fair section that is available to search and browse for open digital healthcare positions. It's really an uplifting way for you and your team to recharge and refocus. Go to hcic.net to learn more and get registered today. That's hcic.net. We can't wait to see you there. Okay, back to the flow. That's actually you know really powerful shift. Um, I think we were talking in the pre-show, John, you know, prior to doing what I do today, I was doing a little bit of work selling direct to employer. And at that time, you know, most employers, to your point, were just really looking at the services we were selling from a from an employee benefit perspective, something they had to provide, wanted to reduce their costs, make it somewhat more convenient, but never really as almost like the hood ornament to actually attract people to the organization. So definitely wanted to call that out. Well, I guess, you know, maybe to further hit the point home a little bit further. Is it potentially then cheaper, if you will, to directly contract with like a nice healthcare as opposed to, you know, simply providing employees with, you know, a good health insurance plan and then letting them go and find primary care, behavioral health? Yeah, I think, you know, most of the the employers that we work with will still maintain a, a traditional health insurance plan. There are a number of instances where, you know, a patient is going to require services that fall outside of our scope of service hospitalizations, surgeries, you know, some of the more involved care and some of the more catastrophic care. That's where an insurance plan is going to continue, you know, to kick in for an employee. But what empl- I think why employers gravitate towards a solution like NICE is that, you know, over the last four or five years, they've probably all gravitated towards a high deductible health plan, right? So there's been more, there's been more and more kind of cost shifting as it relates to not just premium dollars, but the out-of-pocket costs that, you know, patients are responsible for. And so adding nice healthcare as a as a access point and as an option for employees in addition to an insurance plan is a really effective way for them to say, look, like we have our insurance plan in place for more involved care that you may need, more specialty care, hospitalizations, surgeries, things like that. But for your core primary care needs, here's an alternative for you. And if you choose to use this, there's no additional out-of-pocket costs involved for you as a patient because the employer is, is picking up that bill through that direct contract mechanism. So in that respect, it's been a big value added for, for employers in terms of an option to put in front of their employees. That makes a lot of sense. And I would imagine too, in a sense, it almost gives employers a little bit more control over where their employees are going. And unfortunately, what I've noticed is some you know, physician practice, you name it, start, you know, billing out the wazoo for things that aren't necessarily needed, especially if you're a new patient. And before you know it, all of a sudden your claims are going through the roof and it becomes far more expensive for the employer. It also, one last thing to that too, like what it, what it unlocks is some continuity of care for patients because it's independent of what that underlying insurance plan may or may not cover in terms of a network. So if an employer chooses to move to a different insurance company, for example, they can maintain 
nice as a as an option for employees and so that kind of allows that continuity of care even if there's changes to the to the health insurance component sure that makes a lot of sense i too just appreciate the convenience of it all too being digital first you know, you don't necessarily have to leave work if you're not feeling good. Well, maybe now in COVID years, if you're if you're in the corporate office and you get a sniffle, you should probably leave. But also just not having to, you know, necessarily go to a brick and mortar place, take time off work or your morning off work. You would think there might be some positive impacts on productivity and presenteeism and so on and so forth. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so this is, and so it kind of brings me back to some of the, the opening comments, you know, around this is where the consumer is going. And so even, you know, your legacy health systems and um, primary care providers, the bricks and mortar, the clinical locations are, are figuring out ways to incorporate telehealth and technology into their workflow, not necessarily because it's convenient or because it fits really well with their business model, but because it's where the, uh, the consumer is going. Love it. I was uh, talking to a client today who were talking about how they've also attached sort of the pharmacy piece, which I believe you guys have as well, to the telehealth chassis. And so don't even have to go to pharmacists anymore. They can they can deliver the medication, you know, right after the virtual visit within a few hours, which I think is tremendous, tremendous. Yep, that's closing the loop. And, uh, you know, bringing right, not just writing those prescriptions, but also, yeah, uh, making it ultra convenient by delivering directly into the patient's home. That's uh, leads to just global experience. Love that. Wanted to ask you, John, about maybe call it the elephant in the room. And so and we'll see when this podcast actually airs, but Amazon announced that they're closing down Amazon Care. Um, looks like their purchase of One Medical is going to go through. And so I guess my first question is, hey, what do you think about that? But maybe a follow-up question is also, not that you all are identical to what they're doing, but you're certainly within the same arena. And so curious what your reflection is on them getting out of the business do you see that as an issue for you all? Do you think you're on the wrong path? Or what do you think about it? I remember when Amazon announced that they were moving into, you know, into this arena of essentially bringing care directly into the home, you know, using a technology layer and then mobilizing a clinical staff. And I had a lot of buddies who called me and asked if we were worried about it. And we actually weren't, you know, because we think the more players there are kind of supporting the the idea in the wisdom in taking care out of like more traditional venues and making it more accessible and convenient for patients. Like we, we love that. And you're right. Like there were enough distinctions between what Amazon was doing and, and what we were doing, but that general patient experience like had, had some similarities. Their exit on Amazon care to me, it does make sense. Like, especially in reading kind of the press release and what they're putting out there in the public is that they had challenges in coming up with a viable solution for the enterprise Client, you know, and I think when trying to sell this type of solution into an employer with tens of thousands of employees scattered all across the United States, like that would be really hard. That would be difficult. And so that makes sense that they've kind of given up on that. Whereas Nice, we're coming at it from a different angle. Like we built this for small and medium sized businesses, which is the backbone of America. Right. You know, so like and that wasn't that's intentional because a lot of innovation tends to skip over that business segment, And it's harder for those types of employers to tap into some of the more interesting things that are happening. And so it was very intentional for us to build this around small and medium sized businesses. And that's been a huge advantage for us as we've gone into new markets, you know, because it's just a much more like localized type of solution. We can go into an employer, a hundred employee company in Salt Lake City and provide care for all their employees that live across the Wasatch Front, you know, and if they have 10 employees up in Denver, yep, we got that covered too. They may have some down in Tucson, but we're not trying to cover the entire map at this point. 
you know, and our, our growth thus far has been much more focused on that small, medium sized business. I like that. You know, maybe to draw a parallel, Jared and I, a couple months ago, we had a conversation here about rural hospitals. And part of the conversation was around how so much of healthcare innovation is focused, focused around big branded startups, big branded health systems, large urban academic, you know, the Mayo's, the Cleveland clinics of the world. But again, drawing the parallel to what you're saying, we often forget sort of those small community hospitals or the smaller players in the market, but in a lot of ways present a very significant innovation opportunity and, and frankly might be a lot more fun to work with. You know, I could imagine these smaller companies, probably it'd be easier to develop like an adoption strategy with them, get more of a percentage of their employees using the service versus these massive companies and institutions who in a lot of ways you get lost your employee benefit gets lost amongst everything else that's occurring um, within the institution. At least in my view, that's how I'm thinking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, you know, so what's really important in, in this context then is to make a solution that is easy to implement, right? Because like, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, like they, you know, often le- run a lean operation. And so if, you're, so if you're an HR leader, you know, or if you're a CFO, if you're a business owner, you're looking for things that are high impact and that are going to be easy to implement so that you can get on with your business and run your, you know, your day to day. And so we've been very intentional about not just the comprehensiveness of the solution, but trying to make it really easy to implement so that it's something that can have a high impact for, for that employee. Base. On that note, John, I don't think I've ever asked this question quite this way on the podcast, but how are you how are employers finding you or how are you finding them? Are there specific conferences that exist that are focused directly on, call it the direct contracting market? Or are, are you going through like HR consultants or, and pardon me if some of that stuff you just don't want to share, but could you paint that picture for us? How, how do you even begin to sell direct to an employer? Absolutely. Yeah, we've been very fortunate to develop some really strong partnerships with employee benefits advisors, you know, ag- across the country. We partner with insurance agents and brokers who are already in the room helping you know their employer clients strategize around those two things controlling healthcare costs and attracting and retaining awesome people and they have been our our primary mode of of reaching our employer base and uh, we've been really fortunate to work with some talented folks who just have been able to identify the right fit employers who are, are looking for creative solutions looking to do something a little bit different and uh, who think their employees will will pick up on that. And so that's been our, our way of uh, reaching our clients thus far. John, that's been really helpful for us to kind of understand the like the value prop to your customers. And I'm, I'm curious how that translates to the consumers, to a patient, so to a user of your service. Can you talk us through that value proposition? And I'll tell you, I'm looking through the lens of, of the experience for the consumer. How does this appeal to somebody? And how do you help them understand you know, why this is helpful to them? Yeah, I mean, so the, the first objective, right, Jared, is to help them understand the the scope of service and understand when it's appropriate to schedule a visit with us. But beyond that, we really been intentional about making it as easy as possible when it comes to scheduling your visit, holding your visit with nice healthcare. Normally, that's going to start with a virtual visit, right? So. We allow our patients to schedule a visit seven days a week. We have extended hours. Like the first part is is for us to be available and, and accessible for our members. The next component of it is to make sure that we're giving our patients sufficient time to address 
their entire healthcare, you know, status and their needs with our clinicians. So we budget 45 minutes of time for every virtual visit that we do so that our clinicians and our patients can really get to the crux of the matter. And so we're really talking about making it a, an, an effective and efficient use of time, but giving people enough room to not just address like a particular issue that might be bugging them on a given day, but to really look at the, the big picture. You know, and if a visit then does translate into us sending a clinician into a home, like we don't follow the Comcast model or like some of these models where we might give you a range of four hours of when we're going to come to your house. Like our patients know exactly when we're going to show up. We show up knowing what the reason for the visit is going to be. And to make it it's just a an incredibly powerful and, and positive experience for our members. And really what we're what we're aiming to do is to develop that primary care relationship with our members. You know, and while someone might start by scheduling a visit with us to address something rather benign like, you know, strep throat or pink eye or something like that, once they have that initial positive experience, they often start entrusting us with more and more involved care, maybe helping them manage their hypertension or their diabetes or their high cholesterol and really being that trusted primary care layer to help them manage more involved care that they may be needing. That's fantastic. Love that call out to relationship building. And I just got to add one anecdote. And so we don't talk about it as much as I thought we would when we started this podcast, but I, I spent a lot of my career working in Canada. And at some point we need to have more cross-border conversations, Jared. But when you mentioned the Comcast model, I had to, I was laughing inside because one of my friends back in Canada had to get a specialty visit and the system back there is so far behind. They literally said this to her, John, this physician will call you on this day, anytime between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And so she literally had to you know, be by her phone and she is in a pretty severe situation where she cannot miss this appointment. And unfortunately, they never actually called, um, but she did stress all day near her phone. And so, so glad that at Nice Healthcare, uh, no one has to worry about that. The physician will show up when he or she says he or she will, which is fantastic. That, Zane, is where our, our operations team deserves all the credit because moving, moving people around town, scheduling is where a lot of the secret sauce is in this and is ultra important in helping provide that awesome patient experience. We have a, a deep operations team that's committed to that. We have a care coordination function that is really there to make sure that the right clinical resources are showing up at the right time at our patient's location and uh, that we're running an efficient operation. Well, John, where do you guys see yourself going over the next few years? What's What's next? Is it just a matter of getting more clients? Are you all thinking about changing up your, your product in any way and appreciate some of this stuff maybe you can't share or don't want to share, but to the degree that you're willing to paint us the, the future of nice healthcare? Absolutely. I mean, we, um, we're continuing to make investments in our technology. You know, that has, uh, that has positive impact both the patient experience as well as on our provider side. Well, the tools that are available for our clinical staff, you know, making sure that we continue to invest in that and that we're providing an awesome experience for our clinical team is really important. And that's where we'll, we'll continue to invest a lot of time and energy. You know, right now, Zane, at the time of this recording, we're in 12 states. We're spread across 18 markets. And so we're, we're really focused on continuing to grow within those existing markets, but we're going to continue to add no states as well, you know, to our reach. And so I think we're just kind of getting started as it relates to we're on the map that we're covering with our services. You need to come to Canada and, and help all my family out north of the border. We haven't talked about NICE International yet. 
But, hey, listen. But, you know, I do have a passion for international business. So, ooh, we'll have to chat about that offline. No, seriously, reach out if you ever need uh, help thinking through that. That's awesome. John, uh, this has been so insightful for us. This helps us so much to understand what other offerings are out there, why they're different and so forth. Uh, We're so excited to hear more about NICE and where they're going. Before we go today, though, how do listeners connect with you? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is a great way to do it, Jared. You you can find me with a simple LinkedIn search. You know, otherwise, our website is www.nice.healthcare. You know, that'll uh, that'll put you in touch with, with some of our team as well. And you can learn more about what we're up to. Uh, we're also, you know, our marketing team has really stepped it up on all the different socials. So you can find Nice Healthcare on, on a variety of those social networks as well. Outstanding. It's been such a pleasure, John. Thanks for sharing so much with us. All the best to you and what you've got going on. We'll be following you and, uh, and, and seeing where Nice goes from here. Again, Jared, thank you so much for having me. Zane, it was a pleasure. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.